It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, July 6th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. Get ready to commit a new emergency number to memory. 988 is what you'll dial for the Mental Health National Hotline. Tonight's California report has the details on the latest component in the emergency response arsenal. Then we'll take a look at local news and weather before KVMR's Felton Pruitt walks us through Nevada County's Homeless Action Plan with Director of Housing and Community, Mike Dent. We close with a commentary from Shirley Frerichs. That's coming up in the next half hour. This is the California Report. I'm Madi Bolaños in San Francisco. There's an update in the Electra fire that's been burning since Monday in two remote California communities in the Sierra Nevada gold country. The wildfire is now about 10% contained. Still, nearly 1,000 residents in Amador and Calaveras counties are under mandatory evacuation. Chris Vestal is the public information officer with the Electra Fire. He urges people living in the area to heed the evacuation orders. When we're giving those orders, we're doing it because we firmly believe that your life is at risk. So be ready, set, go. Go to readyforwildfire.org. Find the information that you need to be prepared. Officer Vestal says nearly 4,000 acres have burned so far, and another 1,200 structures are threatened. Firefighters will continue to work through the day to get a handle on the fire, while the cause of this wildfire is still under investigation. In other news, in just a couple weeks, people with mental health emergencies should be able to call 988 for help. KPCC's Robert Garova checked in on how preparations are going ahead of the numbers launch. Mental health nonprofits across the state are training hundreds of counselors to answer emergency calls in anticipation of a new national hotline set to launch on July 16th. The number is 988, which is meant to be easier to remember than 1-800 numbers. Sherry Sinwelski, VP of Crisis Care for D.D. Hirsch Mental Health Services, says they're expecting two to threefold the volume of calls, chats, and texts they already get to the suicide prevention hotline they run. Hopefully down the road, it'll be something that's as commonplace for somebody to call 988 if they're having a mental health crisis as it would be for someone to call 911 if they're having a heart attack. She hopes that 988 will help mitigate long response times to psychiatric emergencies, which in Los Angeles can take up to a day. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors, like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. Now let's go to a park in South Los Angeles, where every Sunday, hundreds of people show up for a free yoga class. But this class isn't just for fitness. It started as a protest against Black lives lost to violence. KCRW's Megan Jamerson reports that when so many groups that formed after the death of George Floyd are no longer around, this community group is still going strong. 
It was June 2020, and Marley Ralph's cousin, Etienne Maurice, organized a protest run in memory of Ahmaud Arbery. Marley was helping out. Over 400 people showed up. And then it was right before we were about to start the run, and Etienne was like, should we do some stretches? You should lead us through some stretches. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm going to lead us through some stretches. I was a little nervous at first. But within that moment, I looked around, and people had a moment of just silence, of just breathing, of just existing. And I think that we all felt what that felt like of having a pause amongst all of this chaos. And then it really moved both of us. And Etienne was like, yo, we should probably come back tomorrow and do this again. Come back next weekend. We should probably do this again. And so we did. And then um, we did 10 weeks of protesting on Saturdays and yoga on Sundays. And then yoga was the one that kept going, was our form of protest. And now here we are two years later. The cousins decided to call their wellness movement Walk Good LA. Marley is a yoga instructor. Etienne Maurice is a film producer. And his sister, Ivy Kogo Maurice, who is a content creator and entrepreneur, is the third founding member of the group. She says all the free activities they host now, including yoga, runs, and hikes, are rooted in lessons they learned from their grandmother. Even the name Walk Good LA comes from the Jamaican euphemism she raised them on. Walk good means to go about your day in good stride, to take care, to make sure you look both ways when crossing the street. Whatever that means to go about your day in a healthy and safe way, that's what walk good means. Know that you have the potential to be a better version of yourself when you leave this space. Maybe you stay right where you are. Or maybe you bring your left hand to your heart and your right hand to your lower belly. Right now, at this space at Kenneth Hahn Park, the hour-long yoga class is underway. Lenny Gator has been coming to these free classes since they started two years ago, when he learned that they were a response to violence against Black lives. It's just a different way to respond, you know what I mean? And a way that uplifts us, builds community, makes us stronger, you know, makes us feel better. Nearby, Christine Gomez brought her husband with her to introduce him to the practice of yoga. I was like, come do yoga with black people. <laughs> like, it's all people of color, and it's a really cool vibe. Her husband, Joe, likes the idea of making this a weekly couple's outing after noticing how the class made him feel. I feel, I feel I guess, more open. You know, I was a little hesitant at first, but then now with doing uh, yoga, like, I want to say for the first time, it felt really good. And that's the simple feeling of relaxation that Etienne hopes participants leave with and are able to carry with them throughout the week. One thing we always used to say when we, when we were protesting, we'd say, this is a movement, not a moment. And we've legit created a movement out of healing and community. For the California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson. And finally, the Coachella Valley Firebirds have made history, hiring the first full-time female assistant coach in American Hockey League history. Jessica Campbell, whose hiring was announced yesterday, has recently worked with a U.S. Hockey League development team and was an assistant coach with Germany at the International Hockey Federation Men's World Championships. The Firebirds will drop the puck on their first season this fall as a minor league affiliate of the NHL's Seattle Kraken. 
And that's the California Report for Wednesday, July 6th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Now let's take a look at today's regional news. The Electra Fire, which began along the Amador Calaveras County line on Monday, continues to burn. However, it appears to not be on the wildfire rampage Californians have become well acquainted with. This morning, in a 7 a.m. update from Cal Fire, authorities reported that the blaze remained at roughly the same size it had been Tuesday evening, around 4,000 acres. One first responder injury was reported and well over a thousand structures remained threatened by the blaze. According to the update, the fire stayed active for the first half of the night, but was moderated by humidity in the early hours of Wednesday morning. Ubinet reports in an update around 4.40 p.m. this evening, the Electra Fire Incident Management Team states the fire is now 4,112 acres, 40% contained, with 17% controlled. Controlled references the status of a wildfire suppression action, signifying that there is no longer smoke activity or hot spots within the fire perimeter. And it seems as though firefighters and emergency workers are throwing everything they have at the blaze. Currently, over 1,300 personnel are assigned to the fire. As of 5 p.m. this evening, the cause of the fire remains unknown. This reported by the Sacramento Bee and Ubinet. A key figure in the attempt to recall Governor Gavin Newsom has filed a request for a recount in the Nevada County Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters race on behalf of Jason Tedder. Randy Economy, a senior advisor and spokesperson for last year's gubernatorial recall effort, and a former candidate for the State Board of Equalization, filed a request over the holiday weekend for the recount, as well as a request to examine elections materials in the June 7th primary election. Economy, who is also a conservative talk show host from the Coachella Valley, has no reported ties to Nevada County. Quote, I've been really concerned about how this small county is emblematic of many small counties in California, Economy said Tuesday. Nevada County's vote, certified last week, shows Natalie Adona winning the clerk recorder race with 22,800 votes, or 67.9%. Tedder received 7,843 votes, or 23.3%. Paul Gilbert took 2,942 votes, 8.8%. Election law states that the person requesting the recount is responsible for the cost. Current Nevada County Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters Gregory Diaz says he doesn't know the precise cost of the recount, but estimates it could be $3,000 to $5,000 a day. Because the recount involves the race for clerk recorder registrar of voters, law states that the governing body must appoint someone other than the elections official to conduct the recount. Additionally, the recount must begin no later than seven days after the request was received. This from the Union of Grass Valley. The Rices Fire, southwest of North San Juan in Nevada County, continues its steady march toward inertness. After leaving 13 destroyed structures in its wake, the blaze's size seems to have plateaued at 904 acres. Ubinet reports its estimated containment is Thursday, July 7th. Oregon Creek day-use areas closure due to the Rices Fire has been lifted. However, South Yuba River State Park and park lands in the vicinity of Rices Crossing Road Cranston Road and Truce Trail all remain closed. Turning our attention to local weather in your air quality index, smoke and haze from the roughly 4,000-acre electrifier burning in Amador and Calaveras counties is expected to reach our listening area. 
air quality may be affected. For those in Grass Valley in Nevada City, tonight, clear with a low around 55. Thursday, sunny skies with a high near 80. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 27. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, areas of smoke before 8 p.m., then widespread haze before 2 a.m., a low around 42. Thursday, sunny with a high near 72. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 27. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear with a low around 58. Thursday, sunny with a high near 97. Thursday's air quality is good with a potential AQI of 20. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. According to the most recent point-in-time count, Nevada County's homeless population exceeds 500. Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt fills us in on the county's homeless action plan. We're talking with Mike Dent. He's the Director of Housing and Community Services for Nevada County. Mike, we've got what they call the Nevada County Continuum of Care, and they've developed a homeless action plan. Now, this is something that's been going on for some time. It's gone through some changes. Why don't you give us a brief history of what we're talking about and then where we stand now? Sure. Thanks for having me, Felton. It's a plan that's been brought together jointly by Nevada County and the Continuum of Care here in Nevada County. The Continuum of Care is a regional planning body that includes local partners that's committed towards delivering housing and homeless services to families and individuals within the county. The driving force, Felton, to develop this joint plan is a funding stream called the Homeless Housing Assistance Prevention Program. HHAP is what we call that. That's some funding that's coming from the state that is going to both the COC and the county. It's about $1.2 or $1.3 million each for the next two years. But it requires there has to be a joint plan to coordinate effort. And that kind of makes sense if you're thinking of it as a taxpayer. You're like, hey, we need some coordination to make sure that the actors in the homeless realm are not duplicating services they're working together to try to solve the problem of homelessness. I would imagine when you apply for any funding from government agencies, you have to explain what it's going to be used for and how long it's going to be used for and, and such. Yes. So. Yeah. And homelessness has been a top priority from the Board of Supervisors since uh, 2017. You know, we've had a counties have a plan for addressing homelessness since about 2020. It goes back to the board for updates every year. The COC, the Continuum of Care, hasn't had a plan. Not to mean that negatively, but they haven't had the horsepower to design one and plan to implement a strategic vision with their funding that has been increasing year over year. So this is an opportunity for, for both entities to come together. I sit on the COC along with its governing body, the Homeless Resource Council of the Sierras, which represents both Placer and Nevada counties. So I'm involved in this day to day and I'm kind of a representative that plays different roles, whether I'm sitting as the county or sitting as a COC or Herc's board member. So yeah, this plan went to the board on the 28th of June. It also went in front of the um, COC's board uh, for public comment. I think it was June 16th. It's been sent off as a draft to the state for their review and approval. And this will, um, once approved, release the funding that the county is going to administer on behalf of both parties. 
What's the end result of all of this? What kind of action and real results are the homeless going to see from this? The plan made us stop and create a landscape analysis of all of the funding, all of the programming, both at the COC and the county, include demographic information, uh, subpopulations such as chronically homeless, the youth, families. In the end, Felton, it came down to basically five strategic goals of this plan. And it, the first one is to prevent homelessness through increasing availability of rent and mortgage assistance and expanding services for youth and families. When we looked at the money that we're spending collectively on homelessness, uh, that's the area we're spending the least in that we really, if you think about it, should be spending more at. You know, it's just not operating shelters or providing intervention services. It's preventing people who may be on the edge of homelessness to not go homeless for mortgage or rent assistance. So that would be, I would think, two phase. One, finding jobs so people can, can work, and then also finding affordable housing. Absolutely. The former is not so hard right now, but historically it has been hard to get a, a job that has a living wage. But um, the second one's extremely challenging, and that's where the county's priority is providing and expanding affordable housing. But yeah, preventing is a, is a good goal, is one of the more important strategic goals we have in this plan. Also supporting and strengthening supportive services through outreach, engagement, and case management. That's what you just spoke of, Felton. It may be a job training. It may be sobriety. It may be just getting them connected with referral services through like a day center or navigation center to get somebody the, the tools they need to get housed and stay housed. If people mm-hmm. want more information on this, how can they get that? Yeah, they can go to the Better Together website bettertogethernevadacounty.org, and you can actually view the plan. Like the comment period's ended on it, but there is the opportunity to learn more about it. And they can always give me a call, either email me at mike.dent at co.nevada.caus, or give me a call at 265-1410. Thank you for uh, keeping us up to date on that, and we'll check okay. back in a month or so and see how this is progressing. All right. Thanks a lot. We've been talking with Mike Dent, the Director of Housing and Community Services for Nevada County. Thanks for your efforts. Thank you. We're a week in now. Have you been participating in Plastic Free July? Shirley Frerichs has all the details in her commentary up ahead. This month's worldwide campaign is called Plastic Free July to bring awareness to the single-use plastic overload and its ramifications in many ways in our lives. Above all, it is intended to encourage us to start new habits to be part of the solution to our climate crisis. Plastic can be a real love-hate relationship, at least for me. We love it since it revolutionized our world. It gave us lots of useful products, even lightened our cars for better fuel mileage. And yet, at the same time, the single-use plastic degraded our environment. We became a throwaway society with post-war affluence. You, like me, might hate those plastics that trash our town's streets, flow into our rivers and oceans, kill animals and sea life, displace fish, and shut down the fishing industry livelihoods in many countries that really need them. I hate them even more now that I know microplastics are being found in our human bodies to threaten our lives. For those who want to know a little more about the life cycle of plastics, there's a special screening of the award-winning documentary, The Story of Plastic, on July 13 at 4 p.m. This looks at its inception from the 1960s and how the industry marketed it as the best thing since sliced bread over all these years. They started the use of the chasing arrows icon that we see today that's supposed to mean an item is recyclable. 
The industry knew plastic was not recyclable, but they did their best to convince the public that it was okay to just throw it away and it would magically disappear. We know that's not what happened. So to join the screening of the story of plastic and the brief discussion virtually on July 13, please go to the Nevada County Climate Action Now org website to RSVP to get the Zoom link. It's quite a, a, an interesting documentary, and it's award-winning. Reduction of single-use plastic packaging for food, snacks, takeout, and bottles is the goal of this July campaign. These hold merchandise and food for a short time and then are trashed. We the people can refuse and reduce these to make a difference in this destructive cycle. Are you aware that 5 to 50% of the price of an item is in the packaging that's usually thrown away within minutes? What a waste of money. <laughs> Think about it in your own shopping cart or cupboard. Packaging is costly, not only to the consumer, but to the environment. It never degrades and goes away. Microplastics are the result of this degrading process. They're showing up in our water, our food, in our bodies, fetuses, and organs. This brings plastics problem home. Now is our time to start making a difference by reforming new personal habits to reduce, reuse, rethink, refill, repurpose. The passage of SB 54 last week in California will help to push responsibility back to the producers and manufacturers. It must start with a new design and new packaging materials. Creative solutions are coming. Bravo to Amazon for its commitment to use as little plastic and as much recyclable material as possible in its shipping packaging. The voices of the consumers matter. The reuse revolution is happening. Start to refill containers instead of buying yet another plastic jug of something. Gaia Soap in Nevada City has many items for refill. Items like shampoo in bars, packed in paper. Briar Patch is doing a stellar job of reducing its plastic in the deli and all around the store. Look for the new plastic-free products. Buy bulk. Bring your own reusable containers. You can take used plastic bags back to Briar Patch, Safe Mart, Safeway, and B&C to be reprocessed into plastic decking by Trex, but let's not get them in the first place. Now is our time to make a difference. Look at the waste.pages pages on the Nevada County Climate Action Now website for tips on how to start new habits and make a difference. So when your grandchildren ask, what did you do when you knew our world was threatened? That you can say you did something. You did something to make a difference for their futures. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the speaker only and not necessarily those of KVMR, its staff, management, board, or contributors. That's our newscast for Wednesday, July 6th. Head on over to kvmr.org for anything you may have missed in tonight's newscast. KVMR gets support from Booktown Books, an independent cooperative bookstore since 1998, featuring nine independent vendors offering used, rare, and collector's items including music, DVDs, vinyl, and art. Open daily, Bank Street, Grass Valley. Booktownbooks.com Keep it tuned to your community radio station. At 6.30, it's the Sages Among Us. Tonight, host Holly Grimaldi-Flores speaks with Debbie Thomas, 
Thomas, a past Peace Corps volunteer, currently works with county personnel. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News. As always, thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.